Hey everyone, welcome to Dialogos, a Harger Philosophy Club podcast. I'm Akshay. I'm Sophia. I'm Brendan. So today we'll be talking about epistemology and approaching things that may not be as true as you might think. And how can we really know that that knowledge is true? So things like different news sources, like fake news, conspiracy theories, all this has renewed sort of focus uh, in the time we're sort of living in, especially with lots of disinformation about COVID. And so we thought it'd be great to talk about. Yeah, we're living in an era where truth is under fire and anxious people can't decide which news sources to trust. So we're turning to ancient philosophy and, you know, enlightenment theory to kind of see if it gives us any guidance in these difficult times. Quentin, would you like to tell uh, us what epistemology is? Yeah, so epistemology is really just a fancy word for the study of how we know things. Sometimes you'll also hear it referred to as like the study of learning. Uh, a little bit of different nuance there, but uh, kind of the the best example I like to give is how do we know that Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world? So you probably have not been to Mount Everest and to every other mountain and measure them yourself. Uh, but you know that because other people went there, you know of other people measuring it, et cetera. And if you really dive deep into that question, you'll learn a lot about how our determinations of measurements happen, of how uh, truths in fact persist on the internet, et cetera. Um, and you'll kind of learn a comprehensive uh, methods that epistemology questions and understanding how we know the things that we know. Yeah, for a very long time, uh, knowledge was considered justified true beliefs. Plato thought this kind of definition up, but there's some problems with it. Uh, you know, what is justified, what is true, we can philosoph- <laughs> philosophize ad absurdum. But for today, we're just going to use that definition. Um, how we kind of get knowledge is pretty pretty simple, obviously. We can use our senses, which the empiricists said were the best way to absorb knowledge, and we can use our minds, which is what the rationalists said were the best way to absorb knowledge. And sometimes the reason why we have these two schools is sometimes they come into conflict, what you see with your senses and what you know with your mind. So there's always, in the internet age, there's always the, and with scientific slash national news-related knowledge, there's always the problem of we can't sense it in our immediate area. Like, we can't fly out of the atmosphere and see that the Earth is round and not flat, just as we can't experience the moon landing ourselves. So there are debates on things that we can't see and we can't deduce like we would deduce mathematics from. Yeah, in a kind of uh, kind of perverted sense, the kind of worst branch of conspiracy theorists who say that like, the vex, the like, say that like COVID was created uh, to like help big pharma, or that uh, 9/11 was done by Bush to justify the war in Iraq. In some way, they're kind of they kind of represent the uh, kind of utmost extreme of the skeptical tradition of always questioning everything that we know and attempting to place a kind of alternate understanding of how we know those things. Um, and in some degree, some of the things that they say don't make at least some sort of warped sense in the sense that you could. It kind of makes sense. Bush didn't want to invade Iraq for various reasons. You know, maybe he made a terrorist attack to justify that. Um, and these things break down when you use various metrics, but the entire point of the of their project is to try to undermine how we know those things in the first place. But then, and most people would argue that they go too far in undermining kind of all established, accepted knowledge in the pursuit of like pure skepticism. 
Yeah, and I think this skepticism really has reached its apex um, when combined with like a big, big skepticism of underlying institutions, not only the like the dominant uh, political institutions, like what the government says, right? Like the man is listening or the government is telling you like X, Y, and Z, wake up sheeple is always like a, you know, a conspiracy theory sort of staple. But there's also a combined uh, skepticism of more cultural things. So skepticism of the news media or sort of other cultural media outlets like, you know, TV is brainwashing you or if you play these songs backwards and it says like, you know, devil like worshiping things. Like all of these are like sort of elements of skepticism of like these institutions that we sort of take for granted. And when you have that, it kind of removes like the guardrails that that are what we generally use day to day to filter out these sort of things, right? If you don't think that, uh, you know, the media is always telling the truth, then, you know, the New York Times is telling you fake news or, I don't know, 5G is causing COVID. And it's especially problematic, I think, in a time of COVID when expertise is becoming more and more and more important because everyone's like an armchair doctor because we've all gotten sick at one point or another. But like, you know, vitamin C and zinc isn't going to cure you, right? The expertise that is needed to fight something like this is more and more important because it's so unknown. And when coupled with a skepticism of expertise and of the underlying institutions that are telling you expertise, that's when it becomes problematic. I, I definitely agree with all that. I think that we've talked a lot about kind of the intellectual history of conspiracy theories. I do think we also need to talk about kind of how to fight them or why you might not believe some of these things. And for that, I want to turn to Occam's razor. That is the logical principle that the simplest explanation is usually the best to use the 9-11 conspiracies again, Bush could have orchestrated like a whole attack, sacrificing hundreds of his people's lives and causing a national security crisis in order, which thousands of dollars were then spent on airport security and all that in order to justify invading another country. But the simplest explanation is probably that there was a terrorist attack. That's kind of using Occam's razor to say that the truth is kind of the mainstream thing or the most simplified thing. Again, we could apply it to the 5G conspiracy theory. Yeah, maybe 5G, we can never prove that 5G didn't cause coronavirus enough to please these skeptics, but we can prove the fact that it is more likely, or it is the simpler explanation, that it's a virus like every other or most other illnesses that are respiratory related on this earth, then it is an illness coming from a type of wave in the air, which no illness has been found to have. So we can use the logical principle of Occam's razor to kind of deconstruct some of these things. Yeah, I think that, um, sorry if there's some, some background noise, I think that that paradigm can certainly be useful in a lot of cases, but often conspiracy theorists will point out that in a lot of cases, uh, the kind of Occam's razor approach doesn't always work. For example, there are instances where the government has done some conspiracy theory style things that have been kind of found with evidence to be shown to be the result of that. So like um, the like heroin crack epidemic and uh, that was that pretty severe in black communities in I want to say the 1980s and 90s. Um, so there was a conspiracy theory that like the government was secretly doing it to get them addicted to essentially kind of fund the like uh, white supremacy project of the government, which seems like a conspiracy theory. Then you look into official CIA dossiers, you realize, hey, maybe there's a little bit of truth to this. 
Um, but yeah, certainly kind of taking the principle of like what is most simple uh, well, uh, answers a lot of the kind of basic ones. I also think that a lot of the conspiracy theories rely on kind of uh, circular uh, reductionist logic that can functionally justify any conclusion. And I'm sure Akshay has thoughts about this, so I will let him talk. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but um, th this reminds me of this like really crazy thing. I don't mean to say all conspiracy theorists are right, but um, there is this thing you can search up later. It's called Operation Northwoods. And so it was a proposed false flag attack that the U.S. Gov government, like it was drafted by the DOD, approved by the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And basically it was a false flag operation where we'd like, like have like government operatives commit acts of terrorism against like, uh, like military and civilian things in like Florida and blame it on Cuba to justify an invasion. And ultimately like, Kennedy rejected it. But it is kind of interesting to see how like some conspiracy theories like like, I don't know, obviously there are like a lot of things and the fact that it did get rejected shows why a lot of these conspiracy theories kind of break down because even if parts of the government like do want to do like random crazy things, there are other like responsible rational decision makers that would check back against it. But it is kind of like interesting to see and also kind of like mind blowing. Yeah, certainly. Um, to just quickly finish up what I was saying earlier, a lot of conspiracy theories rely on circular or logic or logic that disproves itself when you kind of go through its logical extremes. So, uh, and also a lot of conspiracy theories have kind of assumed hidden motives that just like do not make practical sense when you think of them in real terms. So classic conspiracy theory, the earth is flat. Um, the conspiracy theories, theorists will like really, if you get into an argument with one, they will probably just out argue you on their like terrible fake made up version of physics because that's like their entire life's goal is to defend this theory with bad evidence. But if you actually think about who has a incentive to prove that the earth is flat, we'll often talk about like big globalists in the deep state, but it just doesn't make sense because if the earth is round, uh, like what incentive do they have to make it flat? All their conspiracy theory boils down to is a little bit of skepticism about existing evidence for the moon being, or sorry, for the earth being round, which is like fine, whatever. But they have kind of no underlying motive for why this massive cover-up effort exists in the first place. Um, another example is like the moon landing being, um, being faked while well, on surface, it may make up, make a little sense. Like it is true that the U S wanted to be the USSR in the space race. They probably did have an incentive to some degree to fake the moon landing, but when you dig into it, it also doesn't make a lot of some sense because there are reports that like gov that other, that other, that like the USSR themselves really wanted to try to prove that the moon landing was fake. To discredit the U.S.'s efforts to win the space race, and they couldn't because they determined once again that the moon landing was true in the first place. Um, that plus kind of defense to their ridiculousness of their broad theory and how many people would have had to cover up everything. Uh, for example, the transmission from the moon uh, was intercepted by like Finland and like a bunch of other countries that have like relatively little stake in the geopolitics of the time. Why didn't they come out about the moon landing being faked? Because it probably actually happened. Um. Yes, that's what I have to say about the moon landing being fake. Out of context, that would be a very interesting sentence. Uh, I also want to take into account prejudices decide what we think and believe. You'll hear a popular conspiracy theory. There are two popular conspiracy theories I really want to quickly address that are linked to anti-Semitism. Obviously, you'll hear, if you go on to the weirder sides of the internet, you'll hear, like, the Jews control the media a lot. Um, 
which is obviously a claim based on a certain uh, certain certain ideas about a certain type of person, which then leads to the assumption that this type of person that I don't like has to be controlling another thing I don't like. So you see a lot of these kind of wrapped up conspiracy theories where someone's like government bad and someone's like Jews bad or someone's like capitalism bad and someone's like X type of person bad. And they kind of link these together that's like in huge webs of badness in ways that don't make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, I think like with a lot of like conspiracy theories, like especially kind of like the moon landing stuff or like, I think stuff that, I think there are some conspiracy theories that are motivated by like underlying ideologies, like the ones uh, Sophia mentioned that are more based on like anti-Semitism or like an active hatred of certain ethnic groups uh, or ethnic and religious groups or ones that are based on like a, a sort of a misunderstanding of how broad systems work, like science. So for example, like the anti-vaxxer movement, I don't think there's like a, a big like anti, anti-vaccine anti ideology that I know of, but it's like a misunderstanding of the science behind them and like looking to like these discredited studies that sort of fuels the movement, which then cannot take these like over, the, these like big uh, sort of like followings. But I think like more broadly, especially in the latter portion, the reason these get spread is kind of like what Quentin mentioned about how you have these people whose like life goal is to like prove the flat, the earth is flat. And they're just like talking to you who's like probably like someone who like, I don't know, maybe heard about it on the news or on like, you know, a social media or something was like, oh, whatever, that's weird. And then it kind of like moved on your day. You know, intuitively the earth is round, but do you know why? Probably not a ton. Um, and that's probably why a lot of people do find it true because everyone grows up learning, okay, the earth is round. Um, and you know that claim, but you don't know the reason why the earth is round. There's a lot of physics going on, uh, going on there. There's a lot of like calculations that we had to use to determine the curvature of the earth. So you know the claim, you don't really know the reason. And this can apply for other things too, like how 5G works or whatever. You know the claim, you don't know the reason, and you, so you don't know why the actual claim is true. So when someone has an alternative explanation, that kind of fills in and becomes far more persuasive because, you know, you know how things work, you don't know how things work. Yeah, and I think um, that's... That's certainly true, although I do want to give a small addendum that people had, not conclusively, but had developed mathematical models that, that pretty much proved the Earth was flat in, like, before 0 AD, which really makes you wonder, like, why this rich lineage of, of flat Earthers hasn't, like, persisted for longer. Uh, it seems at least theoretically conceivable that there is a, a deep state movement that controls every single part of society that is tricking us into believing that vaccines don't cause autism and that the Earth is rounded, whatever. Um, which I think, and I think the kind of, and so there's a lot of different ways that people try to uh, kind of philosophize their way out of this trap. Um, uh, I think one of the just kind of most compelling ones is uh, the idea that there's no real incentive for a lot of these uh, conspiracy theories to exist. Plus the fact that uh, we can, you kind of have to accept a little bit of inherent trust in institutions to some degree when you do anything in your life that it uh, doesn't necessarily have to be like all pervasive. I, I don't need to accept that the government is always good in everything that it does, but I can accept that they are probably not misleading me about kind of incredibly basic facets of my life. Do either of you have particularly strong takes on that? 
I I'd kind of agree. I think in this modern day and age, you can't go throughout life without some sort of trust of institutions. Like if if you believe, I don't know, doc, all doctors are evil and they're going to harvest your organs if you go in for a checkup, but you're dying of corona, then you're going to go in for that checkup. Like it's just super unrealistic to shirk all trust of institutions. I also kind of want to bring it back to the beginning and fact there is kind of a paradox here in an age of more knowledge there seems to be more conspiracy theories because we have infinite information there are people or somewhat infinite information there are people telling us about other things that are going on outside the world but we're not in a pastoral economy where we work on our farms all day and know you know can see the fact that carrots are orange or can see the fact that the sun shines in the morning. We can't see the fact that hospitals were being built when the uh, coronavirus outbreak started in China. And we would have to look through cameras. We would have to be told by media. There was a ton of interlocutors in between us and that empirical, irrational source of knowledge. And that leads for more skepticism to breed. Yeah, but I think that there is kind of a uh, kind of a middle ground, you know, maybe like a, a Aristotelian virtue ethicist kind of synthesis to be found here, where uh, you obviously do not also want to completely trust institutions, right? Like in the examples that I gave, it is true that the government and governments around the world have engaged in pretty heinous things that they've tried to cover up. Uh, you can look to a lot of, um, of bad things that the uh, Chinese Communist Party has done. Uh, right detainment of like ethnic minorities and uh, or- organ harvesting stuff actually kind of funnily enough you mentioned that um, which then of course Chinese nationals think are conspiracy theories um, which then also applies to stuff that the states does like uh, immigrant detention centers which the which kind of US nationalists think are conspiracy theories vice versa and so I think there's definitely kind of a, a difficult to find middle ground to be struck between uh, kind of overarching skepticism of institutions and overarching belief of institutions um which i think is like honestly a relatively difficult kind of middle ground to find that people have to kind of identify themselves because if it's imposed upon them arbitrarily by a third party then it just leads to all the problems that epistemology is trying to resolve in the first place which is how do we know what we know if we only know how skeptical to be of institutions because someone else told us to it begs the question of their motives etc etc and doesn't really let us kind of resolve our circular problem with yeah, uh, I really agree, especially with that last part about like a third party kind of like imposing it on us. Um, I think like especially when you kind of like try and if you're going and like talking to Flat Earther and like try and take out like all of these like other facts and say like, no, this is like the Earth is actually round X, Y and Z. Right. They'll like dig more, more and more into like their own beliefs. Right. And this is sort of uh, what we call like um, I think I think it's the confirmation bias where. Um, we're more likely to uh, listen to things that confirm our beliefs. So listening to other people who share our beliefs. And when we're faced with facts that try and refute our own beliefs, we instead dig deeper into our own beliefs and become like more stubborn and try and change the other person's mind. And so it can kind of lead to uh, like, ironically, trying to persuade someone of another thing with like, you know, facts, which I think a lot of us kind of like intuitively believe would mean that you start changing your beliefs if the facts align with something else that can actually lead to, um, you know, someone else 
becoming even less factful uh, sort of in their beliefs, like thinking beer this flat. Cool. Do you guys want to wrap this up? Any any last thoughts? Any conspiracy theories you believe? Um, I guess we could go through like a kind of like top ten list, or just like our, our couple favorites. Um, there was this one theory that I I saw some like Reddit thread or something a while about like people's favorite ones. Um, this one that I loved was that the Titanic, like the ship that sank, wasn't actually the Titanic, but like some sister ship. And these people did this like weirdly deep analysis into um, like different pictures and and uh, like this this technical specifications of the ships and whatever. Uh, it really sounded pretty convincing. And then I read this other thing where some guy goes like one level deeper and really kind of brings up the facts and logic and disproves it. And that was a really interesting example uh, or kind of uh, to me is an interesting example of how like even some completely innocuous conspiracy theories offer as a kind of useful heuristic for making us understand and come to terms with how we process truths in our personal lives. Yeah, I I really like that you brought up the Titanic one because it's one of the few conspiracy theories that the Academy takes seriously that academics actually debate about um, on like a day to day basis. And and I have to say the the actual evidence on both sides is pretty good for this one. So it's an actual kind of dialogue, unlike, you know, Earth flat, Earth not flat um, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. One tiny, one more tiny thing. We're already a little over time, but um, there's often conspiracy theories will often try to prevent, present a false binary between two things on which there is actually a consensus on. Uh, Kind of the biggest one is like global warming, real, not real. Uh, The not real people will make it seem as if there is a, as as if there is like a real scientific debate between the two, when in reality, there is a overwhelming scientific consensus for it being real. Something else to keep out for. Sorry uh, for that interruption. Yeah. Yeah, I think if we're going with the top conspiracy theories for us, um, I don't know. I think the Wikipedia page on JFK assassination conspiracy theories is long and full of, you know, like evidence. I, what I find really interesting is that the House had, um, uh, like in in the seventies, like made a committee that was examining like assassination. So they uh, examined the ones of JFK uh, and MLK. And for JFK, they said that um, they concluded Kennedy was probably assassinated as the result of conspiracy. So this is like a, a House of Representatives thing. And then then they were just like, wait, no, this is like flawed analysis. And so it's just like, it's interesting how you can like have an evolution of a conspiracy theory, not only in like, like the minds of people, but even among like, you know, like very, you know, high level people, obviously, who have like access to a lot more facts. Not saying it's true, but just saying it's like, I think it's like a really interesting conspiracy theory that's evolved like so much over time. Yeah, I think that one's fantastic too. Fantastic too. To link this back and kind of wrap this up, I want to bring up a conspiracy theory that Plato, who remember came up at the beginning uh, himself, started. Atlantis. Y'all have heard of the sunken city. That's from a platonic dialogue, Timaeus, in which... Uh, you know, Plato tells all these myths, he uses Atlantis as like a forlorn story, but unlike all the other myths, Socrates at the end insists that it's true. So that's kind of the origin of the Atlantis conspiracy theory or Atlantean believers. And of course, uh, it is one of the longest held conspiracy theories where people 
are still looking today and they've been looking through medieval year years and all such. So that's just to bring up that even though we've kind of regarded conspiracy theories as more modern phenomenon throughout this podcast, they've existed as long as epistemology has, which is pretty interesting. All right. Uh, then I guess with that, that's our, that's our podcast. That's our episode. So uh, if you liked any of this, definitely uh, leave us some comments. Email us at harkerphilosophyclub at gmail.com. Feel free to propose new podcast episodes that you'd be interesting, interested in, and we might even have you on a guest to, as a guest to talk about it. So uh, with that, that's all. Thanks. Take it easy, people.